Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. God has been a great group of talented people that serve in all different areas, and so we so appreciate them. You saw Jordan today playing the drums, singing, and playing guitar. That's just because his his sidekick was feeling under the weather, and so she said, you got it today. And so uh, you know when you miss the best part of you, it's like, Dear God, I'm, I'm, I need some help here, right? So, man, I'm telling you, it's such a privilege to be able to serve with people and what they do to, to make the dream come to pass. Amen? Amen. Well, we've been in a series just begun a couple weeks ago, and we've entitled it called Breaking the Back of Lack. And if you recall, we said this is something that the Lord said to us, in regards to a mandate and an assignment that God has given us as a church. As GVC, God has said, part of your mandate and instruction is to break the back of lack in this community. And so that means that we've got to be an example, we've got to be a model. Amen? But now, we also said this, that when it comes to breaking the back of lack, it leads us to have this mentality or this idea that it's talking financially. Financially or finances is only a small portion of understanding what it means to break the back of lack. And so I believe that as we continue in this series, we're going to begin to see greater insight as to really how we've allowed poverty and lack to enter into our life. And once we identify it, we can begin to destroy it and work at coming out and being free from poverty and lack. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, you know, uh, yesterday, uh, you also noticed that a couple of members of our worship team are, are, are not present. And part of that is, is because a couple of them got married. Uh, Cody got married to Christy. Christy works in the sound booth. And so yesterday was their wedding day. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. It was awesome. It was, it, yeah, amen. Mom, she's here. Uh, and, and it was just a great day. Uh, it was an out, outside wedding. And so uh, unfortunately, it was raining, uh, but man, they had a great turnout, and it was the first time I've ever done one like that, and so we're under a pavilion, we're all dry, we're all snug as a bug, and everybody out there is sitting in the rain, you know, had their umbrellas. But the interesting thing is, is that in the midst of a rainy day, this is the day that they are making a commitment to spend the rest of their life together. And so for me, it was, it was exciting because as we're getting ready, you know, the girls are off to the one side and there's this little auditorium, uh, outside amphitheater kind of thing. And so we got to walk down these stair, uh, uh, ways. And so I'm over here with Cody and the girls over on the other side. And so I said to Cody, I said, I said, you doing all right? And he says, yep, doing all right. He says, can I just give you a hug? <laughs> and so he gave me a hug and I said, I said, are you ready for this? He says, yeah, I'm excited. He said this, he says, I, I, I just, I can't wait. And so he's just full of expectation and joy because he's getting ready to marry the love of his life. And then we get down there and as we're uh, exchanging vows and going through the ceremony and we get to the very end, Christy, she's looking at Cody and holding hands, and she's just bouncing. I mean, she is just like, yeah, we did it. I'm finally married. And to see the excitement and the joy 
that they were experiencing in that moment. How many of you can remember those days when you first got married or in that dating process where you were just so giddy because I'm spending the rest of my life with somebody and then all of a sudden life happens, (laughs) right? I mean, what happened to... I'm so excited. What happened to the, the giddiness? I'm like, wow, I get to spend the rest of my life with my, my, my best friend, right? But so we can begin to see that as a result, love was once innocent. There was a time where love had great expectations and, and love had dreams as to what the future held, Right? And then, like I said, life begins to happen and things begin to look a little bit different. So this morning, we're going to talk about how do we break the back of lack in our marriages and in our relationships. This is very key because, as I said, you're going to begin to identify that we have uh, allowed poverty and lack to creep into different areas of our life. And you understand that there's areas that we tend to be strong in. And obviously, uh, there are those that we surround ourselves that might be a little bit stronger in those areas or or weaker, so we can help areas uh, where they're strong in our strengths, or excuse me, we can help those that are weaker in, in areas that we have a strength and vice versa, right? Does that make sense? And so if you, if you begin to identify our lives and say, you know, there's areas in which I'm strong, but I've allowed poverty and lack to creep into this area. And before we know, it started to slip over into this area and poverty and lack. And remember, we said poverty is not a, is not a financial condition. It's a state of mind. And really, it's a condition of the heart or the spirit man. And so poverty and lack can creep into this area and in this area and in this area. And if you find that there's areas in your life that start to be, become overwhelmed with this uh, heart of poverty and lack, then your whole life begins to be overwhelmed and consumed with poverty and lack, right? Why? Because there's more of it that's functioning in different areas of your life than those other areas of freedom and liberty. And so we saw here in Galatians chapter 5, there's a couple of texts of scripture that we're going to really use as a foundation For the weeks ahead as we address this issue. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 it says. For you brethren have been called to liberty. Only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. Amen. So the Bible says that you have been called to liberty. We said that that word liberty simply means privilege. It means immunity. It means exemption. I really want you to grab hold of that and embrace that. To live this life of privilege, or excuse me, this life of liberty, is to experience a life of liberty or freedom or privilege that brings about exemption and immunity in your life. Amen. And notice he says, you have been called to this. To be called means that you're summonsed. There is a summonsing, if that's the right way to say it. There is a call. Somebody is putting a demand on you. Come on over here and experience a life of privilege. Come on over here and experience the immunity that is here. Experience the exemption that is here. But not everybody will experience it. 
Because not everybody will answer the call. Right? Anybody got any dogs? How many of you have got dogs that are not well trained? Or if, if you remember, they're inside dogs maybe, and then they get outside. And then you say, come here, Fido. And Fido says, oh, no, I'm free. <laughs> and they take off running, and they get right up on top of you. And you think, okay, I got them this time. As soon as you get right there, they take off again, right? Because they've experienced freedom and liberty, right? Well, see, God wants us to understand that he wants us to experience this, that when you're called and summons to, you've got to stand up and respond to the call or answer through the choice of your actions. Amen. We also said this over in Leviticus chapter 26, starting in verse uh, 3 through 5. Again, I'm just going to paraphrase it for the sake of of giving us the, the point behind it. But God says, I've given you instruction and I've given you commandments. And if you will heed to my instruction, he said, your threshing will last to the day of vintage and your vintage will last to the day of sowing. Now, again, that seems a little bit vague or uh, difficult to understand. But if you'll break it down and do some study in regards to that scripture, God says, if you'll listen to me, if you'll follow my instruction, threshing is defined as process. There's a process. If you'll follow, listen to me, there is a process that will allow your uh, vintage or your harvest to last till the day that it's time to sow again or plant the harvest. But it will continue to last till the time of harvest again. There's a process by which your life has the ability to reach. He says it will last. It will last to the day of vintage, and it will last to the day of sowing. And that word last, we said, means to reach. You tracking with me? So a real simple definition of poverty and lack is when it doesn't reach. Are you tracking with me? So those two things are important for us to understand. This call to liberty is a life of privilege, exemption, and immunity. When we experience poverty in our lack, it means that things in our life, they're not reaching. But God says this life of liberty is that your life would reach. Amen? So how do I bring that into relationship with my relationships or marriage? The statistics show us that 52% of marriages don't work or don't make it. So over half of individuals that stand before each other that are saying, man, I'm just excited. She's giddy and she's bouncing around saying, this is the day that I've been waiting for. 52% of those individuals that start off life saying, I can't wait and I'm looking for a great future, their marriage doesn't reach. Poverty comes in to the point of where they say there is lack of something. There is poverty in some area, and our marriage, our love, our relationship is not reaching, and it's come to a place where I want it to end. Amen? Well, God desires for our marriage and our relationship to reach. Well, he gives us an indication as to how our relationships can reach, or we can experience the life of privilege. Remember, he said over there in Galatians, he says, this liberty isn't for you to use it on yourself or to be selfish, 
but it's for an opportunity of love to serve one another. How is it that marriages fail? Because marriages no longer serve one another. It becomes about me. And why are you not serving me? Why are you not doing for me? Why are you not loving me? And therefore, it's not about serving the other person. It becomes all about me. And therefore, I begin to see that there is a deficiency. There is lack in my life. And marriages come to an end. Can you say amen? Well, when we start looking in the Word of God, we can begin to experience or we can see some relationships or some marriages where poverty began to enter in to their marriages. And actually, we can look at a number of different relationships, but just some that you're very familiar with. Think of Adam and Eve, the very first man and woman. I mean, they had it the best of any man and woman that has ever experienced this life on earth. I mean, they didn't have uh, a sin. They didn't have all the difficulties that we now face today. I mean, if there was ever a group that was going to make it, it should have been them, right? And as they're living their life, walking with God, all of a sudden, there's this temptation that comes. There's this outside influence that comes and says, you know, that fruit that you've been told not to eat? If you eat it, you'd become like God. And the only reason that God don't want you to eat it is because you'll become like him. But what they failed to understand is that they were already like God. But what did he do? He began to talk in Eve's ear and point out something that he was trying to convince her in believing that she was lacking. There's poverty in your life. You're lacking something in your life. See, God doesn't want you to have that. And what did she do? She gave in to the temptation. But then she goes to the husband. And rather than the husband serving his wife and loving his wife and taking a stand and saying, Oh no, that's not what God said. He allows himself to be overcome. And gives in to the temptation as well. What was the whole reason for the fall of the very first marriage? Somehow they began to look at something and convince themselves that they were lacking or that poverty had entered their life. Are you here this morning? If there was ever a husband and wife that experienced true liberty, exemption, and immunity, it was Adam and Eve. But they gave place to think that they were lacking. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God said to him, Adam or excuse me, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to allow you to be the father of many nations. And he's like, well, God, I'm 100 years old. And Sarah, she's 90, and she's never been able to have children. Right? He says, I'm going to give you a son. Remember, God said, if you'll listen and obey, it will reach. But immediately, they began to look at the natural circumstance and the history of lack and the history of the poverty of Sarah's womb to the point that she was moved by that. And she goes to her husband and she says, you know, days have turned into months and months have turned into years. We've got a servant here, Hagar. How about I give her to you? And you sleep with her and you can have your son. 
Why did she offer up another woman to her husband? Back then, they didn't have in vitro. You know, there wasn't a clinical way of making this happen. She's like, you know, you got to do it the real way. (laughs) Go with her, okay? And, And you'll have a son. Why would she ever offer up the servant girl to her husband? Because she was looking at the lack and the poverty of what seemed to be in their life rather than listening and heeding what God said. And look at all the junk. We'll talk about the junk that it created. Once again, you look at King David. You know these stories. King David, I mean, he was king. The Bible says that he was a good-looking man. If you go back in the scripture, it says, man, he was above stature. He had, he had a physical physique. There was something that caused him to be a standout individual. Amen? So you know, being king, being a good-looking guy, he had a good-looking woman. Because he had the pick, right? And so if there was ever a reason for him to be proud in the woman and the wife that he had, and to say, you know, I don't have any room to have any other woman in my life, the Bible says that he started looking at Bathsheba. And once he started looking at Bathsheba, he started saying, man, I don't have that. I want that. And the thought and the temptation started coming of the lack or the poverty of something that he wanted. And as a result, infidelity crept into his marriage. Amen? If you are identifying and experiencing lack, if your eyes are focused on all the deficiency of life, all the lack, all the things that are wrong, if you're consistently criticizing your spouse and thinking of all the things that they would have, could have, should have been, then you've had help. I said, you've had help. What do I mean by that? Do you remember Jesus went in the garden to spend time with his father? And the Bible says that the enemy came and presented temptations to him, just like he did Eve. He says, you're hungry, aren't you? Turn these stones into bread. What was the enemy doing or pointing out? There's lack. You're hungry. He says, listen, I can give you all these kingdoms. I've been given power, and whoever I choose to give it to, I can give it to. Bow down before me, and I'll give it to you. Well, why was that a temptation for Jesus? Because the whole reason that Jesus came was to redeem mankind to a position of authority. See, he tempted him by pointing out the lack. If he will do that to Jesus, it's the same way that he worked on Eve, worked on Sarah, worked on Abraham, works on you. If you're looking at, talking about, thinking about the lack or the deficiency or areas of poverty in your life, marriage, relationships, money, whatever it might be, you have had help to look at that and begin to think about it. Are you tracking with me? If you're waking up in the morning thinking, oh, dear God, oh, man, you're still there? Oh, dear God, man. (laughs) You have had help. Somebody has been talking in your ear. Amen, you follow what I'm saying? The enemy is good at pointing out and causing our focus to be on lack. Remember when we started When we started, we had stars in our eyes, and we just couldn't wait to be with that other person. If we're really honest with ourselves, we started out 
having an attitude of I'm willing to bend, I'm willing to be flexible, I'll compromise. If you remember back to those early days, man, you sent the cards, you sent the flowers, you opened up doors, you loved to serve them, and then life begins to happen, and all that kind of goes to, goes, goes to pot, right? Right? I mean, am I the only one? And I started thinking about this, and my wife, she actually saw this, she goes, what do you got that for? So I'm just going to use it as an illustration. She says, that's really bad. I said, when you started out in your relationship, in your marriage, you're all full of love and just the desire to serve. And so I got this idea from a friend of mine, and I thought, you know what? I love that idea. I'm going to do that for my wife. And so before we were married, I think before Kelly even moved to Michigan here, I made this book. I can't remember if I made it or if my, I think maybe my mom helped me sew it, but I actually think I did some sewing on this thing. I went and I actually picked out fabric at at Joanne Fabrics. Back then, you know, all the flowery print was the in thing, and so, man, that just really stood out. That's beautiful. I'll get that. She'll love that. So I made this cover. I mean, it's padded on the inside. It's stitched on the back. I got these little roses on the inside. I've got these little things that you can flip in here. And what this is going to be is that every year on our anniversary, I'm going to write something that signifies the last year that we were together. And every year of our marriage, when it comes to our anniversary, I'm going to present her this book again with just words from my heart. And so it starts out, this is before we were ever married, as just a header in the beginning of this book. This is what it says. It says, to the woman I love, each year that we spend together, I expect our love and our lives to grow in many wonderful ways. Each year, I will update this diary for my Kelly. And each year, I will speak, I will speak, <laughs> can't even read it with a straight face. Uh, and each year, I will speak of, speak of my ever-increasing love and devotion. And then I write in there, the meaning of true love. It is sharing and caring, giving and forgiving, loving and being loved, walking and walking hand in hand, talking heart to heart, seeing through each other's eyes, laughing together, weeping together, praying together, and always trusting and believing and thanking God for each other. For love that is shared is a beautiful thing. It enriches the soul and it makes the heart sing. <laughs> I'm sorry, this cracks me up. Forever yours, Tony. So that's the first page. And then it says, the first year starts. And this was just before we married. And I wrote her almost two pages. Now, this was before we got married, and I presented it to her. And this was going to be an annual thing that I did every year. Here's anniversary number one. And every other anniversary after that. (laughs) So what's my point? I'm saying, you know, I started out with good intentions. I had every intention to share my love, express my love, because I was just so giddy in love. And before you know it, life happens and you just kind of get busy. You know what I mean? And so we've got to be intentional in our love with one another. Once again, Uh, It was a privilege. When we began, it was a privilege that we had not a burden. As we began, we said, yes, it's truly our life has an exemption. We'll never get divorced. When it comes to the immunity of this calling or this liberty, oh, yes, our marriage is immune from any kind of infidelity because we're so in love. Right? And the only way that that can happen is because God says, 
There is a process. Remember he said there is the threshing or the process. There's a process that you'll experience privilege, exemption, and immunity in your marriage. And that's if you do what I've said to do. When it comes to your relationships and your marriage, you have to love and serve one another. And as life gets busy, it gets a whole lot more difficult serving one another. As life gets bumpy, it's real easy to start becoming selfish and self-absorbed. Why are you not serving me? Rather than having an idea to serve one another. Amen? I remember when we first started dating. I told you I put that book together. This was back in Oklahoma and we were still in school. Just started dating. She invited me over to her sister's house where she was living at the time. And she said, I just want to make you lunch. She made me country fried chicken. Never had country fried chicken before and it was good. But the thing that won me over is she made fried okra. And fried okra was the thing that I loved as a kid. And I'm like, man... She's making me fried okra, man. We got to seal the deal, man. She's, she's a winner. She's a keeper. And so I don't know that. Well, she's maybe made it once or twice since. I mean, it, it, in just a couple months, it's going to be 20 years of marriage. And I think we've only had okra maybe once or twice. I've got to go to, I've got to, go to the old uh, uh, the Cracker Barrel to get okra nowadays, you know, just because she's just not served me. Like, oh, see, here I am talking about, I'm talking about the lack in my life. Yeah. <laughs> So when you stop serving one another, now listen, when we stop serving our spouse, our relationships, our family, poverty starts to creep in. You can't have one without the other. If you stop serving, poverty starts entering. Like I said, poverty isn't just an issue of finances or money. Poverty is issues of lack or when it doesn't reach. Why do people end up in divorce? Because it's not reaching. You doing okay this morning? Amen. All right. Hang on to your horses because we're going to go fast. So how do we keep poverty out? How do we keep poverty out of our relationships? Number one, you have to know your self-worth. Well, I thought you'd said that uh, keeping poverty out is to serve somebody else. Yeah, but you can't serve somebody else without first knowing your own self-worth. Amen? You've got to know that you're worth and that you're worth something and that you're valuable. Because if not, if you don't understand your own self-worth, you will not expect the life of privilege. You'll settle for any person that comes crawling along. Amen? Well, they're showing me some attention. They're telling me I like look pretty. They're spending some money on me. Listen, any creep can spend money on you. Any dirty dog can talk sweet for a little while. Right? If you don't have self-worth, you won't hold yourself to a standard of privilege and say, you know what? I'm immune to that junk. I'm exempt from that junk because I know my own self-worth. I value myself, and so therefore, I'm going to serve myself first. Amen? Think about Sarah. Why was it that Sarah came to the place of telling her husband, take our servant? Because she stopped seeing her own self-worth. God says, you're going to have a baby. When God told her that, you remember how she responded? The Bible says that she laughed. 
Well, why did she laugh? Because she looked at all the history that got her to where she was rather than listening and valuing herself through God. And therefore, as time went on, then all of the history, all of the baggage, all of the junk kept creeping up, started talking to her, started reminding her of all the lack. And therefore, because she no longer saw the value of herself, she turns to her husband and says, take her. Amen. And what happened? She did have a baby. But that woman, Hagar, was a constant reminder of her lack. Of her poverty. It caused resentment. Here, see again, you can look at her and say, oh man, wasn't she so humble? Wasn't she so humble to say, take the servant girl? No, really, it was a matter of pride. She was prideful enough to say, I don't value what God said about me. And therefore, I'll take things into my own hand to try to make it work. And that what she did to try to bring about solution to the answer of poverty she began to resent because it was all in her own power, not in trusting God. The son, Ishmael, she resented the son because he reminded her of her poverty and lack. Amen? See, God wants you to see your self-worth. What do you see when you look in the mirror? What is your talk about yourself? You know, I can remember days when I was young, and I mean, you was going to take the world by storm. Life has a way of changing your conversation about yourself, doesn't it? I mean, you look at yourself in the mirror day after day, day after day, year after year. You start talking to yourself different, right? If you start looking at all the lack or deficiency or poverty or areas that look poverish, it'll cause you to talk lack about yourself rather than identifying yourself from the position of privilege amen you've got to see yourself the way God sees you say this with me I'm loved by God God gave his best for me I'm worth it and I'm worth the weight amen you've got to see yourself and have self-worth in yourself as God sees you. Number two, number two, in order for me to break the back of lack in my marriage and my relationships, number two, I've got to serve through forgiveness. The greatest expression of love is that to give and that to forgive. Amen? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And what did he give his son for? Was to give us, forgive us of our sin. If you're not forgiving, you cannot be giving. Amen? When it comes to your relationship and your spouse, if you're not forgiving, you cannot be giving. If you're not forgiving, you can't serve them. It's impossible to do both at the same time. Amen? We've got a purpose to learn how to forgive. If I learn how to forgive, what forgiveness does is it wipes the slate clean. Amen? Remember in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible says that love doesn't keep record. What ends up happening in our relationships? Ha <laughs> ha. Yep, you did it again. I remember the last time. In fact, I wrote it on the calendar, and here you are. It's only three days later, and 
Here you are again. You remind them of the past. You remind them of the fall. What are you reminding yourself and them of? You're reminding them of the lack. You're reminding them of the poverty, right? Why is it poverty? Because forgiveness wipes the slate clean. And it makes it brand new. Aren't you glad that when you go to God, God don't say, hey, 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 this is the last time I told you last time. Don't do it again. And here you are. No, the Bible says that God forgets it the last time you said, forgive me. And when you come up to him and you're feeling all like, man, God, I messed up again. And God says, well, what the heck are you talking about? I don't know what you did it again. Why? Because love wipes the slate clean. It doesn't remember the past. It doesn't bring up the past. Why was it that Sarah had to present the, 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 the servant girl? Because the past kept telling her of the lack. Forgiveness wipes the slate clean. Can you say amen? No one intends on uh, having an affair, do they? No one intends on having infidelity in their marriage. We saw uh, uh, David where he uh, uh, had an affair with Bathsheba. Nobody goes into a relationship or goes to work saying, you know, today is the day. I've had it on my calendar. I've been waiting to do this. I can't wait to have an affair with that girl down, you know, down the road. Right? It doesn't happen that way. In fact, everybody says, I would never do that. Well, how does it creep in? It creeps in through the help of the one that starts talking in your ear and says, you're not getting attention at home. He or she starts to talk to you. They give you a whole lot of attention. They laugh at your jokes. They compliment your hair. Come on. They they really have an interest in you, and through that, all of a sudden, you become aware of the lack or the poverty that you might feel like you're experiencing in your own life, and therefore, you give into the temptation of infidelity simply because you become aware of lack or poverty. Amen? God wants us to, again, to identify our own self-worth. Amen? Everybody's subject to make mistakes. But let me just take it a step further. In the church today, there is an epidemic of infidelity. And it's a closet thing. Statistics show us that 80% of the church is struggling with pornography. Now think about that. 80% of the church is struggling with pornography. So, man, there's a handful of guys in here. So that's saying that the majority of you men in here are struggling. Now, we say men, but the epidemic is really affecting women nowadays. Now, nobody goes into that thinking, dear God, I just can't wait to get hooked on pornography. Now, it's subtle. You're exposed to something. A thought comes. It pulls you in. And the thought starts saying, there's a deficiency at home. He or she's not doing. He or she's not giving you attention. He or she's not fulfilling the the desire. And you give place to. And because it's a secret thing, it's a closet thing. This thing right here is one of the biggest traps that the enemy has created when it comes to pornography and infidelity. Amen. Are you here this morning? 
How is it that we even find ourselves getting sucked into that? Because the enemy starts to present there is a lack or there's some poverty or there's some attention you're not getting. So what happens? I start making it about me. I make excuses. And before I know it, I get sucked into some areas that I don't want to get into. Amen? No one ever said it was easy. There's a cost involved. I said there's a cost involved to serve one another. Because there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for you to say, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. Amen? Number three. I'm moving a little bit fast, faster. Can you listen quicker? I mean, it's your fault, man. You're just listening too slow. All right, number three. <laughs> I've got to serve, or in order to serve, I can't compare. Why do we begin to have difficulty within relationships is because we begin to compare our relationship, our life, or our things, or our livelihood to somebody else. And therefore, comparing begins to identify areas of lack in my own life. Do you know that most people that you look at and admire for the things that they have, they are only hanging on by the skin of their teeth, they are in debt up to their eyeballs, they have multiple credit cards, they are maxed out, and they are panicking, losing sleep, sweating, because they're about ready to lose everything that you think looks so good. Amen. That might be hard to hear thinking, oh, no, I don't believe that. It's true. People are living lives far beyond their means simply because they're wanting to live the life of privilege, but they're not willing to go about it the right way. Amen? I want to make it happen. So as we begin to compare ourselves to somebody else, once again, it reveals areas that we think are impoverished in our life. How do I come against that? I begin to communicate. I talk to my spouse. The Bible says, how can two walk together lest they be in agreement? When's the last time that you sat down and talked together, reassessed and reevaluated your goals and your desires and your dreams as a husband and wife, as a family? When's the last time that you sat down and evaluated where you were, where you're at, and where you're going? See, too many people are just living life being roommates together rather than really coming together and saying, let's come into agreement. Where do we want to be? Where do we want to go? Because once you come into agreement, the Bible says you can have whatever thing you desire. Amen? And it simply is communicating. It's coming to a place of commitment, and it's coming to a place of connecting the dots to one another. If we will learn to serve one another. Now, guys... It's really difficult as men sometimes to be vulnerable in front of your wives, isn't it? Because we've got to be tough. We've got to have our ego and vibrato. I got it all squared away. Sometimes your wives just need to know that you don't got it all figured out. And that's why you need to trust God. That's why you just need to come together and rely on one another. Rather than being so prideful and saying, well, I don't want to talk about it because I got it squared away. Well, certainly take a look around and find out where you're going. Because if you don't like where you're at, you got to make some changes. It's a whole lot easier to do it as a partner or do it in a partnership, right? Man, I'm telling you, dealing with families and dealing with marriages, communication is such a huge part. And lastly, number four. When it comes to serving one another in the midst of our marriage, in the midst of our relationships, 
and breaking the back of lack in our homes and our families, we got to do what God said. He says, if you'll follow me, if you'll let me give direction in your life, you'll have success and your life and your livelihood would reach. But he says there's a priority. See, if you talk to most people nowadays, and especially within the church, you would ask them, what's your priority? You know, I'm going to put my family first. I want to make sure that my family is first place in my life. Make sure that my family is taken care of. That sounds noble, but that's wrong. God didn't tell you to put your family first. Well, listen, it's my job to take care of my family. No, it's not your job to take care of your family. It's your job to lead your family. But God said in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God said, the process is to put me first. See, we've got a lot of people putting things first. Saying, my family's first. You know what? I've got to work all these hours. I, gotta, I, I miss Sunday because, you know, if I, if, I, if I don't work, then I won't be able to do this for my, my family. What are you putting first? You're putting money first. You say, well, I'm putting my kids first. God says, put me first. Put me first. And all this stuff will be added to you. If you put God first, your kids will put God first. Amen? Now, I'm going to get on a soapbox, and so forgive me. It's not a soapbox. It's true. But there's all kinds of people that miss church for the sake of sports. I love sports as much as the next guy. And everybody says, you know, listen, we got we to gotta do the sports thing because, you know, it helps our kids get into college. Listen, if you can't trust God to get your kids into college, then you just might as well quit now. <laughs> Amen. And they've packaged it. Well, you know, it's family time. We hang out with our family. Go to, listen, if you want to serve the God of your baseball or whatever else, that's fine. But you'll find that there is lack and poverty coming into your home. And again, I'm not trying to be hard on that. Uh, it's just a fact. God says, put me first. And all these things will be added. Amen? You doing all right with that this morning? Because I know that starts hitting close to home. i got to put my family first. No, you don't. Are you hearing my heart? Put God first. And God says, if you'll put me first, I'll put you first. I'll put your kids first. I'll make sure that there's not lack. I'll make sure that if you'll put me first, you'll experience the life of privilege. You'll be immune. You'll be exempt. When you see all the other families and all the other kids that are going to hell in a handbasket, you can say, not my kids. Not my kids. Not my home. Not my marriage. And everybody will ask you, how do you do it, Jesus? Oh, you're one of those Jesus freaks. Yeah, all right. Listen, let them mock you. You know, the Bible says this. God desires that your life would increase. He said, but it's going to come with persecution. Don't think for a moment that the decisions you make as a husband, a wife, a mother, and a father to put God first and to serve one another, that it won't come with persecution. It will. It will come with persecution because they'll look at you and want what you have, but you're not doing what they they do to get where they're not. 
Amen. Let's stand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Real quickly, let's bow our heads and I'll pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that everyone heard God from your heart. Because this morning's message was not about pointing out lack or the shortcomings of individuals, but it was to reveal areas that God have maybe slipped in. And so, God, I pray that, Lord, we would just hear what you've shared with us this morning, that we would make some heart adjustments. And, God, they're just minor adjustments. And one adjustment leads up to another and to another. And, therefore, we we begin to find ourselves living the life of privilege. So, God, I thank you that we're free, that we're coming out, and we're breaking the back of lack in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Listen, we're going to worship God one last time before we leave. Don't shut down on me. Let's just worship. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.